about Star Trek. My name is Christian Fox, and this is the show where I yell at you about all things Star Trek for your amusement, so I'm not yelling at my friends and family who don't want to hear my thoughts and theories on this fantastic franchise. Today, I want to talk about Star Trek's attempt at a Halloween episode, and that, of course, is no one's favorite original series episode, Cat Spa. But before we get into all of that, make sure you get out of your space pajamas, put on your shiny spare boots, get a cup of coffee, get a cup of tea, maybe some iced tea if you want to pull the archer maneuver, and brace for impact because things are about to get nerdy. Cat's paw. That's probably something that brings up a lot of feelings in you. And maybe you think of weird imagery. Maybe you think of the three witches. Maybe you think of the fact that it's really quite terrible. Maybe you think it's it's a reason why Star Trek doesn't do holiday-themed episodes. And maybe, just maybe, you think about Navy credits and beans. Because that is a line that is actually said in the episode. So overall, it's a pretty horrible episode and one that is not on a lot of fans' top 20 lists. In fact, I don't know if there's a single fan out there who says that, oh yeah, Cat's Paw is one of the greatest all-time episodes of Star Trek or an all-time personal favorite. Except, well, I like it a lot and it is on my list of personal favorite episodes. I know it's not a good episode, I would never try to make the argument that this is the top tier Star Trek and that this is, you know, something that every Star Trek fan should watch, even though I in some ways think that you owe it to yourself being a Trekkie to check it out if you haven't seen it. But personally, I like the episode quite a bit. I have some personal history with it, as I do with all episodes, and I'm not saying I have personal history with it like, oh, I've got a grudge and, you know, I had a beef with the episode for a long time. No, I just have this very strange connection to it because I want to say it was around maybe 2005 that I saw the episode. So it was quite late in my life in the sense that for most of my life, I had been watching Star Trek. So by the time I reached high school, which was 2005, I had pretty much seen every episode of Star Trek. In fact, there probably weren't very many episodes that I haven't actually seen at that point. I think maybe DS9 was a little bit newer to me but for the most part, I had seen all the episodes, except for Cat's Paw. Cat's Paw was one that I really hadn't seen, as I said, until 2005. And why 2005 sticks out in my mind is because I want to say that's when we got high-speed internet. At least at my dad's house, that's when we got high-speed internet. And when we got high-speed internet, what did I do with it? I didn't watch Star Trek episodes because that was impossible in the early 2000s. But what I did do is I would watch clips and I'd watch promos for various episodes. And one promo that I watched all the time was Trakatspa. And I don't know why this date has always stuck out in my head and why some of the dialogue is ingrained in my head. But for some reason it is. And it's the only star date that I remember that I can quote nonstop. It's the only star date that if you're like, oh, when did Cat Spa take place? I can tell you. I can tell you that Cat Spa took place on star date 3018.2. And I remember that because of that trailer that I would always watch all the time where it was like, Captain's Log, star date 3018.2. Jackson is dead. 
Captain Kirk, there is a curse on your ship. Ooh. You know, so I saw that trailer all the time. And then I think I finally saw the episode that same year. I saw the episode, liked it a lot. It's cheesy, which you kind of expect because it's Star Trek, the original series. But even for Star Trek, the original series, it was really, really hokey. Like they were trying really hard to be cool and really hard to be, oh, we're, we're being scary. Oh, spooky. Oh, look at all this spooky stuff. But, you know, it, it failed. But to me, there was always sort of a, a charm about it. The fact that, yeah, it was overly cheesy. The fact that it was just using incredibly cheesy sets, probably sets that were used for something else, maybe an entirely different production. And it was just like they were so generic. It was like, okay, what's Halloween? Oh, castles, fog, skeletons, black cats, magic, witches, all of that stuff. Like, let's just throw it all into one episode. Let's try to make this. Let's. They were like, let's try to make this as Halloween as possible, and they did it. But but to me, it was such a fun episode because of that cheesiness. I also never get tired of aliens who have the power to do whatever they want when they want. And, and that's always fun to see Captain Kirk and the crew getting tracked by aliens who are super powerful, who can't possibly be defeated. And then they are defeated. And how are they defeated? Because Captain Kirk takes the 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 magical staff and then smashes it. Before I get too far into the episode, I realize, okay, maybe not everyone has seen Cat Spawn. Maybe I'm going on about something that you have no recollection of or, or vaguely remember. So I'll give you a very quick summary of a lot of the episode. But basically, it's the one where... Kirk and McCoy and Spock, they beam down, uh, they go to a spooky looking castle, they encounter a wizard who's causing problems and is like able to control things with his mind, and then they realize that the black cat that's also there is also a wizard, and and these two beings then try to control the crew and get them to do what they want, and they really just kind of start torturing them, and... Eventually, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy and the rest of the team are able to figure out how to save the day and they get out. But long and short of this, yeah, it's the one with the witches. Yeah, it's the one with all the horror stuff, as I mentioned. So not an incredibly complex plot. You don't need to to know everything about it. But just for context, that's what the episode is. And that's the one that I'm talking about. But yeah, that's basically the episode. It's not super complex, but uh, you kind of get the gist of it. And and as I said, I love the episode. I and I would again never make the argument that this is Star Trek at its finest, that this is like a top ten episode. But for me it's it's really quite enjoyable. There's a lot I love. In fact, I think it has perhaps one of the, the scariest scenes in Star Trek, or maybe not so much scary, but a little bit unsettling. Perhaps spooky is the best term because it is coming up to Halloween and I thought it would be fun to talk about something spooky. Uh, in light of that. But the scene I'm talking about is the one with the three witches. So when Spock, Kirk, and McCoy, they beam down to the planet, they're there and there's all this fog and they're like, where's this fog coming from? There's no reason for the fog to be here. And they see the castle and like, oh, there's a castle. We got to go check out the castle. Maybe that's where our uh, away team is and they can detect the away team but they can't detect the castle so they're like we got to go to the castle and i like saying castle and i realize i've said it multiple times so i'm going to stop and, and on the way they see these three faint 
images in the distance and they hear them saying something and it gets louder and louder and louder and then they hear Captain Kirk, Captain Kirk, Captain Kirk. Ooh, spooky. And they're saying all this mysterious stuff. And what it is, it's basically three witches who are there in a kind of a ghostly-like form, which I think is also a little bit creepy. And and I don't know what it is, but I'm not even sure what it is, but I think it's because the special effects are a bit dated that they actually seem a bit creepier. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but I find like uh, even when I think about horror movies of the 80s, there's something about those horror movies that I think are creepier and scarier than, say, modern horror movies. I could be wrong, but to me, they, they give me the, the willies in a way that, that modern movies don't necessarily always do. So I find the, the ghostly-like image to be a little bit unsettling and so they're saying all these kind of creepy things like oh uh the curse remember the curse captain you better turn back or you're all gonna die or something like that and you know some garbage about oh it's spooky you can't come here you're gonna die so turn back kind of thing but that scene to me is is eerie and it's one that like it will never scare me it's not like i'm gonna have nightmares about these witches at night but whenever i watch i'm a little bit uh i'm not as comfortable as i usually am when i'm watching trek like usually trek is my uh my go-to happy place like if i'm feeling really down i watch star trek or if i just want to relax and just chill out i'll watch star trek but but that scene is not one of them so i, I love it because it is one of the few times where it's like oh this is a little bit unsettling i'm a little bit uh, uncomfortable in this scene so for me that's always uh, always a reason that i like to watch it is for that scene and there's something about this scene that reminds me of ghostbusters which is kind of uh, interesting in the sense where they have just seen these ghosts, which are terrifying. And they've seen lots of stuff in the show up to that point. But you can tell they're genuinely freaked out. And Kirk is like, hey, Spock, uh, analysis or something to that degree. (laughs) And Spock, I guess a little bit creeped out, but not entirely, says to Kirk, really bad poetry, Captain. And Kirk, looking really kind of terrified at this point, but also kind of irritated, says to Spock, a more useful, a more useful comment, please. And then Spock says, what we've just seen was not real. And then Kirk's like, that's a more useful comment. Thank you, Mr. Spock. But that delivery and that exchange just reminds me so much of Ghostbusters in the sense when Vankman and the rest of the team encounter the ghost for the first time, they're all freaked out, but then the ghost shushes them. And it's like a really like scary thing that happened, but it's also very mundane. It's the scary and the mundane, I think, about that scene that, that makes me think of Ghostbusters, if, if I can put it that way. So overall, I love that scene. I think it's great. And it's always a scene I look forward to when I watch the episode. But... We also have to talk about the music, and I'm going to talk about more things I love about this episode, because I can go on and on about why I think this is a great episode for me, in the sense that this is something I enjoy watching, even though I know it's not high art and it's not really exploring anything philosophical or anything amazing, but the music, the da 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 and it just goes on and on like that because for some reason they just reuse that score for the whole episode and then of course it starts getting a reuse in the rest of the series but i think that music is just so so fitting for it it's just so 
suggestive that okay things are about to get really bad here it's it's uh foreboding i guess is a good good term for it i think actually the original series probably has the most interesting music in the sense that the music is always telling you exactly what you should feel like for example when they cut to commercial break it's not just uh Oh yeah, make sure you come back after the 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 pre after the commercial. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. You're gonna be excited. It's like no, this is really intense. You gotta come back, okay? Uh, come back because this is gonna blow your mind. And so I think overall, original series has great music, but this music in Cat Spa, to me, is spot on because it is just so forbo- foreboding, 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 forbo- foreboding. That's the word I'm trying to say. And just imagine, I only said it once. I didn't say it so badly three other times. So the music, great. And I'm a sucker for aliens that can control everything and can cha- can transform something into something else, which is a, happens a lot in Star Trek. There's a lot of aliens that can transform matter into different types of matter. Right? Am I saying that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm assuming that's correct. But there are just so many aliens like that. and But one of the coolest things they do in the episode is when they get the little uh, model Enterprise. Uh, like, it's a miniature. And then I think it's it's Sylvia who, who puts it on a chain and then starts moving it over a candle. And she's like, oh, look at what I'm doing to your ship, Captain. What are you going to do? And he's like, I don't know what's going on. So he calls up to the ship. And they're like, Captain, it's really hot. We're burning up. We don't know what's going on. And he realizes that somehow Sylvie has turned the toy Enterprise into something that can connect to the real Enterprise. So whatever she does to the toy Enterprise happens to the real Enterprise, which is really kind of creepy, but it's also really, really cool. And then when they're, you know, freaking out, she puts the the toy enterprise in a block and then Chakoff is like oh wow uh there's a force field around us and we can't do anything and so that's again really cool really eerie really does feel kind of halloweenish and and a little bit uh a little bit spooky but also just is so in line with star trek because okay it's another alien trying to take over the Enterprise with the Captain Kirk. I have control of your ship. You can't do anything. Ha 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 ha. Which is basically what every bad guy in the original series says when they get control of the Enterprise, which is literally every bad guy. So, cool, cool stuff. But then there's also some dialogue that I think is really kind of funny. Not like in a, this is some of the best dialogue we've ever heard in the Star Trek series, but just dialogue that you're like, somebody went to the effort to write this and thought this was good and nobody bothered to say hey you know what frank uh you know we're going to cut this line we i don't think this is very good and the dialogue is when i mentioned earlier i mentioned the beans and i mentioned the navy credits and this is where the line is where uh mr desal who was in charge of the the ship he was actually in the first season but with a gold shirt now he's uh a red shirt and he says, I'll bet you credits to Navy Beans that we can make a dent or something along those lines. But basically he says, I will bet you credits to Navy Beans. I have never heard that expression. I don't know if that's an expression they use in the 60s all the time that people were just throwing out 
navy credits and beans in casual conversation, but I have never heard that dialogue in other 60s thing. And that's not even something that comes up ever again in Star Trek. So it's just a really a fascinating line in Star Trek and one that I, I wish would come up more in conversation because I think it's just, it's so atrocious, but it's amazing. So great dialogue in that one scene. All the sciencey stuff is, is cool that they use to get out of the situation. But I'm actually saving that for the uh, Technobabble section, which we'll get into after I discuss the episode. So I think that's fantastic. We also have to acknowledge Chekhov in this. This is Chekhov's first episode. This is the first time we get to see Chekhov. And he's there. He's but he's doing a great job. As I said, we're going to talk about some of his stuff in the Techno Bible section. But he's there. But the other notable thing about Chekhov that I want to comment on is his hair, his mop hair. Basically, what I've heard is that they wanted it to look like a Beatles haircut. So they gave him a Beatles haircut. And somehow... They thought this was a good idea. The mop head did not seem to alarm anyone. It passed through all the checks. You know, the hair and makeup department came up with this. They're like, this is great. We love it. And then somehow it kept getting passed through all all of the different checks. And everyone was like, yep, this is great. Let's do it. Made it onto the set. Everybody was like, all right, we're totally into that hair. No issue there. And, And that was it. Even though it is probably the most outrageous, ugly piece of hair that we as Trekkies have ever seen. Not to say that there's a lot of bad hair in Star Trek, but this is the worst. And that is an achievement because not everybody in Star Trek has a great hairstyle. So just awful, but you gotta love it. You gotta love that they thought this was a good idea. So I always get a kick out of his hair in this episode. And the final thing I want to talk about with this episode that I think makes it so Star Trek and just so perfect, even though it's terrible, is the reason for all of these spooky things that are going on. Why is everything so Halloween? Why why are there skeletons and the generic fog, the generic castle, and generic wizards and witches, generic black cats? Why is all of that there? And it's not just because of bad props, which it is. It is because of bad props and they want it to be spooky. But they actually give you a reason within the episode that is actually pretty cool. Where Spock basically theorizes that it's almost as if the aliens were only able to get access to or have access to kind of the really basic, animalistic, really simple subconscious. Like the underlying subconscious, if if I'm saying it right, in the sense that it's like they're getting access to the subconscious that is instinctual, like all the things that we're afraid of instinctually, they had access to, but it was so kind of surface level, and I'm not even sure how to phrase it, but just this idea that they had access to our minds and all this stuff, but they were reading the wrong information from it. It's in a way, it's like um, Trey Lynn. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. I hope I am. In the original series, first season, when he's like, oh, uh, I was using my telescope and I was seeing Earth from hundreds of years ago. So all of the the stuff I was making, I thought would make you feel at home, but turns out was actually really incorrect. And so Karab 
thought the same thing. He's like, oh, so this stuff doesn't make you feel more comfortable. This stuff is completely all wrong to you. This stuff is like scary. And he realizes that, yeah, he, he made a he made a mistake, even with all this knowledge and all this power. But he still kind of took the wrong information from from their minds. And it, it's cool that it's once again, it's Spock coming up with a clever theory about something and then having it proved correct. When Karab was like, yep, that's right. Uh, I thought this would be cool. I thought you guys would be impressed. I would like all this. I didn't realize it was scary to you. So... I just think it's a really interesting premise and a really interesting idea uh, or concept, rather, of someone, of an entity who is so powerful, but that they still get some of the things wrong. They still don't fully understand what makes humans tick and really what they're all about. So that, that to me, is always, always very interesting and one of the more interesting things about the episode. And uh, before I leave this episode, I do want to say the individual I was talking about was Trelane, Trelane, not Trelin, Trelane, who is also considered to be a bit of a Q or a Q. Not, I don't want to say a bit of a Q, but it's considered to be a Q. So Trelane, General Trelane, done. And the episode is called Squire of Gothos. That's what I was talking about earlier with the telescope. And now let's move into this week's edition of Wait, What Did You Say? And for this week, as I talked about earlier, I do want to talk about this episode, but specifically the conversation between DeSalle and Chekhov regarding the mysterious force field that has enveloped the Enterprise. And it's actually two separate scenes, and I'm going to read them as one scene because there's a lot of stuff that happens in between that doesn't relate to this specific technobabble. So here we are. We're on the bridge, and the Enterprise was just encased with this mysterious force field. Wavelength analysis, Mr. Chekhov. It will not analyze, sir. All right, but it's there and it's real. If it's real, it can be affected. Engineering. Stand by to divert all power systems to the outer hall. Prepare impulse engines for generation of maximum heat directed as ordered. Maybe we can't break it, but I'll bet you credits to Navy beans we can put a dent in it. And then a Hoover pipes in. I don't see any change. It's there, Lieutenant. It was that electrical field we set up, Mr. DeSalle. That dent you wanted? It's not much, but it's a start. Keep it up, Mr. Chekhov. Channel the entire output of reactors 1, 2, and 3 into the relay stations. Whatever it is, it's starting to weaken. Now, I picked this scene for a number of reasons. One, it has all the Star Trek technobabble that you'd expect. It's not quite as heavy as other technobabble, and technobabble in the original series is a little bit different than, than say, later series, and maybe there's not quite as much, but it's still there, so I still enjoy it. The other thing that I love about this scene is that we're reintroduced to DeSalle. DeSalle was in the season one episode, Squire of Gothos, so we've seen him before, but he's not a super regular recurring character that we know who he is and that when you think of people like Kyle, you don't necessarily associate with DeSalle because he's only been in a couple of episodes. But what I find interesting about the fact that he isn't in a lot of episodes is that he actually not only gets some really cool technobabble, but he's shown as being an incredibly competent officer, someone who's like, you know what, we're not going to give up. This is a bad situation, but there's got to be something we can do because it's real. So I love that determination that he says it's real, and if it's real, it can be affected. He doesn't just get scared and it's like, oh, well, where is it coming from? Well, how come you can't analyze it? What's going on? Uh, we can't do anything. All hands. 
blow up the ship or something like that. No, he's very calm. He's just like, all right, we, we got this. We can figure it out. Let's see if we can make a dent in it. So, so I think that's great. I think it's cool that he's so determined and is very unique for a character that we see so infrequently like DeSalle to actually not only have dialogue, but to be so competent and to be given technobabble. So that's a whole combination I think is amazing. And then, of course, with his dialogue, I, I, I love the credits in Navy Beans. I think it's such a funny phrase. And it actually took me a number of times to get the dialogue right without laughing because credits in Navy Beans is such a weird expression. Like that might have been something you would hear in 66, maybe 68. I don't know. But it's just something that like even when I watch older TV shows and movies, you don't hear. So it's just such a random expression like why are they talking about credits? They don't really need credits because it's the future. And I know they haven't really established the no money thing, which is very confusing. But it's odd that they picked credits and then they bring up Navy beans as if Navy beans was a thing that you would eat in the Navy. So I don't know. It's like the dollars to donuts, which is a very old timey expression. But if they had said dollars to donuts, I would have understood it a bit better because that's not so uncommon. Granted, you don't hear people say dollars to donuts every day but there's people that are older and who come from an older generation who still say that so it's common but credits and navy beans very unique always makes me laugh so i love the dialogue for that reason as well i was going to talk about how this was a great scene showcasing Chekhov and his competence but it, it does it still is a great show of Chekhov's competence but it's not quite as strong as i thought it was earlier because we did meet him before in Who Mourns for Adonis or Adonis. And honestly, if you're looking for some fun trek to watch and you're not too worried if it's not the best episode ever, then definitely check this out. It has a lot of what I love about original series, mainly being super powerful aliens that can do whatever they want. It has great Spock and Kirk and McCoy dialogue, as most episodes do. It's got some great techno babble, like I just talked about. And it's kind of fitting for Halloween. So uh, check it out. It's fun. It's a good time. It's it's not going to be mind-blowing or be this amazing piece of art, as some of the other episodes, I think, are. But yeah, it's good. And if you if you don't mind spending 45 minutes watching something that's uh, fairly mediocre, I think you'll enjoy it. So definitely give that a try. But what do you think? Do you agree with my opinion of Cat Spa? Or do you think I'm totally off base and I'm just as crazy as Scotty is when he's in his drug state in the episode? Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Also, let me know what you like, what you didn't like, what you think I'm doing well, and what I need to improve, because ultimately, my goal is to make a show that you enjoy listening to. And in the paraphrase words of Captain Kirk, I shall see you out there. That away. Captain Kirk! And I'm done for real now. I apologize. <laughs>